Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is season 5, episodes uh, 55 and 56 of this daily study podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again today uh, as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials, studying in the week of February the 27th to March the 5th uh, in Matthew chapters 8, um, Luke Mark chapters 2 to 4 and Luke chapter 7. Um, double episode today, I'm going to aim to try and do, uh, just try and catch up on some of the things we haven't covered this week. We missed an episode yesterday as well, so got a couple to catch up on. So uh, I'll do kind of two episodes in one now and then maybe one before, an- another one today or one on the mo- Monday when we don't normally have an episode tomorrow uh, to make sure we can cover all the fantastic things that we have uh, in this section of study that we have for this week. Now, uh, we've come to the to the last uh, of the miracles that we have in this moment uh, for this week. Um, the last of the healing miracles, because all of these are focused on healing, of course. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 16 talks about um, the um, the son of the widow of N- Nine, or Nine, uh, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, so... In this uh, verse, it says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Um, So this is a um, reminder that we have um, days passing. So this hasn't all happened in one miraculous day, but rather this was the the life of Christ. This was his ministry. There's probably many miracles that we don't have recorded uh, for, you know, as John says, I believe, at the end of his gospel, um, that they can't, they couldn't have possibly recorded every single event and miracle and teaching that Jake, that Jesus gave, or the books of the, of the books in the world couldn't not have contained the things that would have happened. So um, it's just a nice reminder that you know this was his way of living rather than just a miraculous day or two. And as he and his disciples uh, went to the city. Uh, there was a, a dead a dead man being carried, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And in verse 12 in Luke 7, I like this, it says, and much people of the city was with her. So not only was this woman having to um, kind of go through this experience of losing her only child, and as she is a widow, um, her only direct relative. And of course, what we need to remember is it wasn't as it is today in the terms of uh, being able to receive or being able to uh, re- have um, an opportunity to receive your the, your family's inheritance, um, it would if goes from the father if he died uh, to the the oldest living the oldest living son, and uh, in this case it it may well be that she loses um, the family's wealth and possessions because she has no male relative. Um, so not only is this a horrendous and difficult experience to have to um, go through to, to lose your child, your only child, but also for her livelihood, this was a, a huge um, obstacle and difficulty as well. Um, so this is just, um, but what is promising and lovely to see is that there was much people of the city with her. So it seems like there is a lot of support and, and comfort trying to be given for this woman. And in verse 13, it says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. Now, this is interesting that the Lord has compassion or 
it says in the top in the uh, footnotes, mercy on her. He recognizes the, uh, the the sorrow and the potential difficulty that this woman has, um, and so he acts for her instead of her having to ask him. Uh, he takes the action into his hands and and provides a miracle. Elder Ulysses Suarez said this, quote, The compassionate and personalized ministering of Jesus in this account demonstrates a perfect model of how we should interact with our neighbor. The scriptures have countless examples of how the Savior, moved by his deep and abiding compassion, interacted with people of his day and helped those who were suffering and those who had fainted and were scattered abroad. He extended his merciful hand to those who needed relief from their burdens, both physically and spiritually. Close quote. He reached out and he made the um, decision to support and to heal uh, in this moment, um, even though it was not asked of him. Um, and he went forth to the buyer, and, to, and it says in verse 14, And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. Uh, this is obviously a moment which would have surprised uh, many people. Um, the fact that, that the people stood still when he when he approached the uh, the buyer um, perhaps uh, indicates they had faith that he was going to do something, or perhaps they just stopped because he was kind of walking towards them. Um, but he rises, he raises this young man from the dead. Uh, in verse 15, and he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Um, and in verse 16, there was a great fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God have visited his people. This reaction is an interesting one. Carlos H. Amado says this, quote, On another occasion, while he was traveling to the city of Nain, he came upon a, came upon a funeral procession. The people, upon seeing the miracle, exclaimed, The great prophet has risen up among us. This miracle was even more noteworthy because they had already declared the young man legally dead and were on the way to bury him, with two young people brought back to life. The evidence of his authority and power over death astonished the believers and filled the defamers with fear. Close quote. Um, this is a reminder that, again, the Saviour is going about this ministry and he is performing these miracles and that they had a significant impact on the people around him, that these were things that made the people stand still and think and reflect on who he really was. Um, and what's interesting here is that they say a great prophet is risen up. They're not necessarily saying that he is the Messiah, but that second thing that they said, that God have visit, has have visited his people, um, is, is possibly uh, some suggesting that he is... Um, incarnate of God himself um, and this is of course more towards his divinity of the, as this, the begotten son of God the saviour and redeemer of the world um, so we have here um, a number of things we can pick out from this uh, in terms of the um, the faith and support of the, um, the neighbourhood um, leading to this um, miracle uh, do we support and bless and well do we support and and try to strengthen those who are going through very difficult trials? And if so, um, there, there could be many miracles that happen. We also learn that the Saviour is, uh, again, eager and willing and ready uh, to give us mercy and and succor, I guess is a great word, which we can use from the Book of Mormon, or uh, comfort 
um, to be able to help us overcome difficult things. Um, and that, with God, all things are possible. The people had declared this person legally dead. Um, this means that it's probably, you know, been some days since he died because I imagine it wasn't, uh, well, it, it wasn't right there and then that he had died and the Saviour went and, and raised him. Some time may have passed uh, before this miracle took place, whether it was hours or days. Uh, I suppose there was customs which meant that the people they had, they had to act quite quickly with um, people who had died because of the unclean, unclean nature that was associated with touching and, and removing dead bodies. So um, it's, it shows just, again, just the extent of the power of death that the Saviour had. Um, so, yeah, lots of uh, miracles and healing we've looked at this week. Um, but again, of course, we've learned a number of principles with that and how that, that can apply to us. We're going to move on now uh, from this idea, I, I, this idea of uh, miracles and healing to the Saviour's compassion to those who have made mistakes. Which, of course, let me make a, a disclaimer at the start of this, study, this uh, section of our study today. Um, we are all sinners and all fall short of the glory of God. So when, we, when Jesus talks about sinners and talks about uh, his interactions with them, um, we must remember that, well, thank goodness for that, because the Saviour is able to work with us. Um, in verses 15 to 17 of Mark chapter 2, we read of the experience when Jesus sat at meat in his house. Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. So it sounds like that Jesus has gathered quite a crowd, including those people who are regarded by society at that time as sinners. Um, and and interestingly, publicans is kind of listed among the, that group with sinners, which kind of shows you their view on publicans, which uh, is probably not very high. Um, and in verse 16, the Pharisees uh, say to the disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? And then in verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um, very straightforward um, teaching, really. One that reminds us that the Saviour is full of mercy and love for all people, whether they be trying to live the covenants on the covenant path or whether they be the vilest of sinners. And let's kind of try and take our possible range of um, closeness to God. I mean, obviously none of us are perfect. We are all sinners ultimately. But even let's, if we disregard that point and we think of, you know, if you imagine the person in your life that has been the greatest example to you that, you know, from the face of things and from the surface that they've lived their covenants, that they have served God to their full extent in their lives and that um, they have, you know, done all of these things and um, in, in their life constantly. Then you think of individuals who not only have maybe refused to live the covenant path but actively seek to destroy it or or have hurt and damaged many others lives if we look at that vast spectrum of uh, possibility here um i wonder if we at times may be like the pharisees and um in, in fact the come follow manual says this quote for example are your thoughts and actions ever like those of simon the pharisee how would you just describe the difference between the way Jesus saw sinners and how the, and the way Pharisees, like Simon, saw them? 
Consider how those who are weighted down by sin might feel when they are with the Saviour. How do they feel when they are with you? I love that, uh, uh, close quotes. I love that insight because not only can we consider how we are sometimes like the publicans and sinners who desperately need the company and the uh, attention of the Saviour to help us in our lives. Sometimes we may be like the Pharisees um, where we look at the Saviour and we, or we look at others and we think, you know, that they can't possibly change or um, their lives can't possibly fulfill um, the plan that God has for them over time. But sometimes uh, we may be, <laughs> sometimes we may be like those who are weighed down by sin. Uh, we, we might be like the Saviour in the sense that um, we should be able to work, go among people who are weighed down by sin, who are disconnected from God, who are um, not in the position at this moment to, to seek him. Um, and do we, as the Saviour, willingly draw them to us? Do we invite them to be with us? And do we uplift and strengthen and, bl- and bless their lives? Um, do they feel comfortable and happy in, in our presence? Um, I think that this is a really interesting um, thought exercise to go through because there is those three distinct roles. And I'm sure at many times we play the role of the publicans and sinners. And I'm sure at some times in our lives, unfortunately, we have played the role of the Pharisee where we've looked outwards um, from our from inside our chapels and inside our uh, homes and gone, oh, look at the world around us and how horrible things are rather than perhaps being like the saviour and going out and interacting and being with them and setting an example and helping them to move forward uh, in their in their lives. Um, I just think that's a really interesting uh, thought there. We'll then go to Luke 7, verses 36 to 50. Um, and this is a, a different experience, but one which has kind of a similar um, principle. And it is, of course, uh, the experience of the woman uh, who uh, washes Jesus' feet with her tears. Uh, I'm not going to read every single verse because we know of the the main points of the event. Uh, But but to to summarise it, a woman of the city, which was a sinner. So again, this woman seems to have a status as a sinner in, in uh, in the public eye rather than just being, you know, like one of us as a sinner. Um, She brings an alabaster box of ointment, stands at his feet and begins to wash uh, his feet with her tears, wiping them with the hairs of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, uh, this is obviously an act of great um, submission um, here. And just to kind of pause, you know, if we are in the role of the woman where we have made mistakes, this is an act of repentance. This is an act of humility and submission to whatever the Saviour requires her to do. Um, and in verse 39, it says, Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who, what, who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And then Jesus, obviously knowing what he says in his heart, um, he responds to her to him and gives a little uh, parable or analogy to him and says in verses 41 to 42, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? 
um, Simon's response is to is to give the correct answer and say the one that had owed the most. And then he turns to the woman, who in this situation is the individual that owes the most, than perhaps Simon does, uh, which again is the saviour indicating that there is a level of righteousness between the two that is to be recognised that Simon is trying to live a life where he is you know, living as God has asked him to do, and the woman has made some wrong choices along the way um, in this in this sense. And in, in that sense, in inverted commas, owes the most. But he says about how she, uh, how the way she has acted has been of much more humility and greater uh, recognition of his, um, of his divinity. Uh, and so we then have this wonderful moment where the Saviour, after reminding uh, or t- telling Simon about what she has done that he hasn't, in the sense that he, she has um, washed his feet when he hasn't, uh, she has given him a kiss on his feet when this when he has not given a, a kiss of greeting and he, she has anointed him uh, which he did not and then in verses 47 to 48 wherefore I say unto thee her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same love of little and he said unto her thy sins are forgiven uh, what a beautiful wonderful moment that would have been uh, for this woman and uh, in verse 50 he tells her thy faith has saved thee go in peace so um, again the saviour has power to forgive sins and he came to work with the sinners and to and to forgive and to help them to change carlos a amado said this quote he gave his apostles authority and power to do miracles and greater works than those he performed but he never delegated them to the, pri- the privilege of forgiving sins his enemies became indignant when they heard him say, go and sin no more, or thy sins are forgiven thee. That right belonged only to him because he is the son of God and because he would pay those for those sins with his atonement, close quote. It is an interesting point to this that, you know, whilst we'll learn about his apostles uh, in the next week of study and uh, how they had authority to go and do great miracles and they would go on to do incredible miracles, of the same level and power as the saviour did you never see any of his apostles or disciples um declare that an individual sins are forgiven only the saviour can do that as he is the only one that can deliver mercy uh, in his ministry and was the one that would pay for those sins so it is a, a great reminder for us about how he has mercy and power uh, in order to deliver great mercy for our sins. Thank you so much for listening to, to this study today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please uh, join us, uh, whether we get it out today or tomorrow morning, uh, as the final episode for this week to cover all the things that uh, we've had to cover this week in this great week of study. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Please share the podcast. And until we meet again.